This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine and More. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine and More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Hey, I'm Kelly McEvers, and Embedded is back. And we recently realized it's hard to assess a politician who has virtually no political record. But with Donald Trump, we tried anyway. And we wound up with stories and lessons from the record he does have in business and on TV. Listen on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. This Tuesday, just like every Tuesday, we're bringing you a really great conversation. Today, SNL alum, actor, and now director, Taryn Killam. Taryn talked with me about his new comedy called Killing Gunther. He directed the movie. He stars in the movie, along with, drumroll, Arnold Schwarzenegger. We also talked about Taryn's time at SNL, and he told me how he left the show about a year before he thought he would. Alert, parents, one of those SNL stories. It features some talk about exotic dancers. All right, we also talk about Taryn's role in Hamilton. He played King George in that Broadway musical for a run earlier this year. And there's one section of the conversation that you are not going to want to miss. Taryn told me all about that time in November 2015 when Donald Trump hosted SNL. Taryn was there. He has some stories. All right, let's get to it. Me talking to Taryn Killam. He was in L.A. I was in D.C. His new movie is called Killing Gunther. It's out this weekend. Enjoy. I'm trying to figure out my perfect tongue twister to do before I go in the booth. There are so many options. Yeah, I'm a big what to do to die today. I can't do, do you know that. this what one. To, what to do to die today? <laughs> what to do to die today at a minute or two to do? You're good. A at thing this. distinctly hard to say yet harder still to do. For they'll be to tattoo at twenty to two with a rat to tat to tat to two, and the dragon will come when he hears what? the drum. At a minute or two to two today. At a minute or two to oh two. Oh my god, I'm so basic. My pre-studio mantra <laughs> is just like over and over and over. What would Beyonce do? What would Beyonce do? What would Beyonce do? What would Beyonce do? There's such power in that. There's though. such power. Well, let's just get to it. My biggest bone to pick with you—it's actually oh, great. praise. Uh, you brought back into my life for the last few days the wonderful, amazing MTV hip hop improv comedy classic "Wild and Out," <laughs> "Wild and Out," however you say it. I freaking love that show. And yeah, did the not adjective even... is "wild and." Yes, I didn't realize yeah. that you were in it. I was. I was. I was sort of third tier white guy on that show for three seasons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any white guy on that show was automatically first tier because there were only so many white guys. That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, we shone brightly. <laughs> what was the thing they would do before they would rap? They'd be like, "Listen, listen." listen. That's Atheon. Each, uh, if people were smart, which I was not. Um, they would have their own tag, and Atheon Crockett's was "Listen," and Mikey's was "Ayo Nick." <laughs> hey, yo, Nick, because he always went after. Did you have a tag? After the boss. I had none. That's I had okay. none. You still I made know. it. All the good ones are taken. Yeah. My first two would have been Listen or A.O. Nick. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so my producer Brent just told me in my ear that's my last falling out question. So we're <laughs> moving on. But we haven't gotten into shirts. <laughs> or 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 swag. Exactly. There's a lot of swag. Exactly. Now let's talk about this movie you did. Um, it is something to behold. It is a... Uh, uh, how would you describe it? <laughs> like you it's, describe it's it. It's a mockumentary about hitmen. 
So it's in the style of sort of a Christopher Guest, Eugene Levy film mm-hmm. um, about a group of up and coming bumbling hitmen trying to assert themselves in the industry by taking out the man monopolizing uh, the world of contract killing Gunther. Who is played by, drumroll, Arnold Sh- Hubert Schwarzenegger. Yeah. I'm trying to put out that his middle name's Hubert, which it absolutely is not, but it makes me laugh. Well, now it is. If you say <laughs> it three times and tweet it, it's real. Arnold P. Hubert Schwarzenegger. <laughs> the seventh. <laughs> There's so many of us. <laughs> so what gave you the idea to make a movie like this? I've never in my life seen this movie. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, that's truly the the reason I set out to try to make it a reality because I just wanted to, if I was going to create something, write, perform in, and then and then ultimately direct, I wanted it to be something entirely original and uh, entirely representing all things that I love, which um, are assassins. I love assassins, mm-hmm. and I love uh, silly, stupid comedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was great to see all these actors do roles that were quite different for them, for some of them. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, I think that's what drew people to it. I mean, Arnold's performance in it is probably what I'm most proud of, not only just in that, like, w- the get of it, but... Yeah. Um, he, you know, it's been a while since he's done a comedy, and I also found being, you know, a lifelong fan of his that a lot of the comedy comes out of, you know, the silliness of him being a fish out of water. It's exactly. sort of like big guy in a position he's not supposed to be in. And it was almost self parody. Yeah. And this, this was very much more, he's the architect of the humor yeah. for most of it. Yeah. No, it was good. It was good. Thanks, man. You, okay. So you're directing for the first time. You're the yes. star of this movie. This sounds like it was very, very hard. Um, it was. Yeah. It, I, I think it, probably was the hardest thing I've ever done it was it was the most educational experience mm. by far mm. particularly the directing portion of it I was very good at uh, hell yeah uh, specifically in you know um, people and ego management is is seemingly a big part of the job and who had the biggest ego who had the big probably me <laughs> probably <laughs> probably me okay, um, okay. or you know uh my first AD, Dan Katzman, I think it would be okay if I threw him <laughs> under the bus too. Um, no, but I, you know, I was really well taken care of and and went into this experience hat in hand um, and sort of, you know, the the orientation I would give each new hire, each new department mm-hmm. head or crew member was, it's my first time and I don't know as much as you. I know what I would like this movie to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I look to you to collaborate with me to mm-hmm. tell me when I'm wrong, and I promise that I will listen to that and take always take it into consideration and only push back if I feel strongly about something. That sounds very humbling. Yeah, yeah, certainly because there, there. I mean, it, literally in every creative conversation we had, I ultimately put my foot in my mouth somehow of not knowing some simple logistical thing that you know had i gone to film school i would have known or or the requirements uh, budgetarily or logistically mm-hmm. of of space of unions uh you know what i mean yeah. uh of schedule mm-hmm. um but it was so fulfilling because i because to get to be at the center and, and a part of something be it movie tv anything in the entertainment industry for the entire process from conception mm-hmm. to release That's a lot. um 
is a lot, but but is rare too. You know, not not many people get that opportunity. So I'm incredibly grateful. Two more questions about the movie. You made it with a lot of people you know, including your wife Kobe Smolders and Bobby Moynihan from SNL. How hard was it to direct your friends, and how hard was it to direct yourself? Um, it was very easy to direct myself. Um, not because I love everything I do, <laughs> but because I don't love almost everything I do. Ah, so okay. So I was able to give myself a pass, and and in writing this. I had already kind of acted it out in my head so many times through writing and then getting funding and then yeah. preparation. So you would act um, on all those crying scenes over and over again. You cry very, very well, easily. Taren. Thank you so much. <laughs> Tears of a clown. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So so I knew the options I wanted to give myself. Mm-hmm. I knew I you know I, I had it locked and loaded. So okay. And, okay. and I knew if I uh, scrutinized any of it, I I can scrutinize me better than anyone. I promise you. <laughs> um, so so at a certain point, you just have to live with it. You yeah, know what I mean? Get yeah. what you think you want to get, and, yeah. and then live with it. Directing friends is trickier, right? Because mm. there's nothing more important to me than my friendships and my relationships with these people. Um, and you never, and, and getting them to do it in the first place is mm. such a favor. So I'm already, I already love them and now I'm indebted to them. Mm-hmm. So it does, it does get tricky, um, communicating the desire for options and not because what they were giving me wasn't good, but because, you know, the more choices they can give me, the, the better chances has of, of really kind of nailing what, it, what we want it to be. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm certain that I rushed through certain setups, you know what I mean? And, and like so. when Kobe, when Kobe's there, I'm just like, ah, my wife is so good. <laughs> I'm so proud. That's exact. Oh my gosh. It's so beautiful. Look at her. Um, yeah. And, and, and you know, what was tricky about this is the mockumentary format, which is a format that I love, but isn't, I've now learned, <laughs> um, as commercially popular. You know what I mean? It's not- Because well, they don't get it. They don't they get don't it. They get don't it. understand my art. No, but it's just, it's niche, right? Yeah. And it's and it's, and it's it's ironic, and it's a comment on a format, mm-hmm. um, but it's something I love. And, and, and in shooting it that way, we weren't doing coverage, right? We weren't doing cross coverage. We weren't doing, we would do different sizes. Um, you're getting a little but, technical here. Explain those terms for folks. Sure. Not, so, know. so coverage is like, if you're doing a scene with two people at a table, mm-hmm. you shoot a wide, which yes. is sort of from the side and you yes. see both t- people at the table and establish their positions in the scene and in the space. Mm-hmm. Then you'll turn it around, turn the camera around and shoot one angle at one of the actors and maybe mm-hmm. do a medium size where you can see them from the waist up and then do a close up, which is just from the neck up. And mm-hmm. then you turn around and do coverage of the other actor gotcha. and shoot the scene all over again. Just um, on them. Exactly. And, and and with this movie, for a lot of the action sequences, it was single vantage point because the camera itself is a character. Exactly. Um, so we were, you know, That's there harder. were confines. It, 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 there was just creative confines, which I always prefer and find challenging. And, yeah. and sometimes you discover amazing things and other times you go like, oh, that's why they do coverage. <laughs> well, I liked it. Thanks, man. Me too. So... Let's go back to the start. You just directed this movie. You were just in Hamilton. You did SNL. You did Wild and Out. <laughs> you have had such a wide-ranging career pretty yeah. early on in your career. Did you expect it to be so multifaceted? 
I don't know. My my expectations starting out were certainly very uh, wide-eyed and askew and, and fantastical. How so? Know? I mean, like, what was your dream as a kid? My dream, uh, you know, once once I was determined to have a career in the in the entertainment industry, which is pretty young, mm-hmm. was to, you know, book that, get that first big break, be a TV or movie, um, then be a Jedi or a superhero, okay. then move to uh, the United Kingdom and live there and become a citizen oh. and eventually get to be, you know, a, a eighth or ninth generation James Bond. Wow. That was the goal. I love that. You were so ambitious. It fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you work your way into this space you're in now? Like, yeah, as a kid, uh, you want to do it. Do you start studying acting like in high school or in college? Yeah, even even younger. Really? I, I come from kind of a showbiz adjacent family. Nice. My mother's aunt married Robert Stack, who mm. was the host of Unsolved Mysteries and was Elliot Ness in the Untouchable series before wow. that. Wow. Um, so there was there was a little awareness. My dad uh, was an aspiring actor when he was younger, and then aspiring musician, and then full time contractor <laughs> once he had kids <laughs> yeah. and needed to pay the rent. Yeah. Um, and so when I was five. Uh, my mother got me headshots, you know, the pictures that actors need and, um, took me to an agency and I was just precocious enough to kind of be able to walk into a a room of strange adults and go like, let me sell your stuff. (laughs) Um, (laughs) not creepy at all. I'll, I'll sell this for you, (laughs) sir. I want to act. Um, but I did, you know, that was before I really could conceive of what it meant. Yeah. Um, and then my family moved to Big Bear, California. I was reading that. I, you know, I've been to Big Bear. I was there for a wedding oh, cool. probably a few years back. And oh, it's nice. so pretty and nice out there. You yes. forget that people actually live there. Correct. It's a resort town. Yeah. So I, I would get that a lot of like, do people stay here? People yeah. visit here. Yeah. We get that. No, but it was. It was beautiful and, and, and idealistic for, you know, the part of childhood that I was there, which was nine years between... Okay. Six and sort of 16, you know, six and a half, 16 was when we moved. Was there a vibrant um, young actor community there? <laughs> not as much as you would guess for Big Bear, California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> although although I will say, once we moved there, you know, I, I, I wouldn't audition as frequently. It would be like once every month or every other month we'd mm-hmm. drive down for two days. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I was around 11 or 12, a movie shot up there. Over the really? summer. Which movie? Yeah. It's a movie called A Pig's Tale, and it's a camp movie, and it was like a straight-to-VHS movie, Yeah. Um, but it was so exciting. Were you in it? I was an extra in it, okay. as were okay. many of the local kids. Yeah. And so that sort of, you know, that lit a fire a little bit, uh, but by that time, I was also starting to do school plays, yeah. um, school musicals, and that got me into it. And then when I was... 15, 16, I auditioned for the arts high school here in Los Angeles and got in. And that's when things got... Which is quite stopped, the accomplishment. Stopped being polite and Start started getting, getting real. real. But, I mean, like, that's a big deal to go to that high school, no? It is pretty competitive, I've learned. Yeah, you don't really necessarily conceive of the competition of it, I think, you know, as a teenager, because you're just like, I'm auditioning school. for this thing. And yeah, yeah. Now I get to go to school where other kids act and they're cute dancer girls. Was it like Fame, the movie? Yeah, less dancing on lunch tables. Um, <laughs> don't dash my dreams. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, don't get me wrong. There was a fair amount. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it, you know, yes, in that it's, you know, public high school where kids are working hard and studying theater and dance and music and visual arts and um, some very disciplined and focused and knowing, you know, that this is the time to study and others doing it a bit more on a lark or, yeah. or for the social element of mm-hmm. it. Um, I appreciate it much more now, oh, yeah. now that, that I've come away and experience the world a bit more. And you kind of steered yourself towards musical theater, no? That's correct. What's your favorite musical? Ever? Yeah. Les Mis. Good Les call. Les Miserables. Good call. Thank you. I'm going to be yours? simple slash basic and say The Lion King. I don't hate that answer at be- all. It's Every song in that musical is so accessible. Yes. If you're three or 75, the music hits you right away and you get it. And, and from a design point of view oh my god yes yes so eccentric and so outside the box and yet so comforting mm-hmm. and accessible yeah I, I hear you speaking of music I'm going to sidebar really quickly to talk about how you Great. just did Hamilton yeah that's a good musical too I've heard of it <laughs> who'd you play I played the only role I could uh, <laughs> which is King George III and it was a dream come true I yeah. tell people I felt like a contest winner wow how'd you get it um, as soon as I moved to New York for Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. I was, you know, in the capital of certainly North American theater, if not global theater. Oh, yeah. It's better um, than West End. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eat it, Brits. <laughs> Eat it, cursed child. Your good stuff comes to us. Um, <laughs> You're right. You're right. But but to answer your question, mm-hmm. um, I, I said to any and all who would listen I'd love to get involved in theater in any way I can and uh, one of those ways was 24 hour plays mm-hmm. and I, I became friends with Tommy Kale who uh, is the director of Hamilton oh. um, and he and I were sort of fast friends and yeah. just stayed in touch and then Lynn we kind of knew because Lynn I love that's re- your first name with Lynn yeah man <laughs> L to the I to the N <laughs> Um, because and, and he, we should say for those who were sure, under rock the last half yes. century, Lynn Emanuel Miranda. Correct. Yeah. Go ahead. The sorry. genius, the certifiable genius. Literally. He he was hired kind of by by Neil Patrick Harris to write music for How I Met Your Mother, the show oh, that my wife was yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we knew Lynn a little bit and it was, you know, what a small world. And then Tommy was very kind to invite me to like workshops and labs and rehearsals oh, wow. for this Really cool hip hop historical show about the guy on the ten dollar bill. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, uh huh. Interesting idea. <laughs> sure, great. Hey, I love you guys. I'll yeah. support anything you do. When you went um, to those like practices, did you know it was going to be a thing? Uh, I I knew it was good. <laughs> okay. I, I, I you could tell. Okay. The caliber of talent. Just just Lynn and Tommy and Alex Lacamoire and yeah. um, everybody involved was at the height mm. of their ability, yeah, yeah. including the cast. Yeah. And so what was hard coming into a rehearsal space is, you know, you know, just hearing history has its eyes on you. And they're like practicing the harmony and you're like, I don't know what this means for the story, but <laughs> it seems very moving. <laughs> yeah. And emotional. I'll go with it. You got the pipes, buddy. You're very kind. You got the range. Um, yeah. So, 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 Tommy, when I when I didn't go back to SNL, he's like, "Hey, listen, this may work out in our favor. Where we need uh, someone to step in for the king. Is that something you'd consider?" And by he, the time he said we need someone to step, I said, "Yes, <laughs> please." Yeah. How big of a switch was it to go from SNL mode 
to Hamilton. Uh, fairly big. There are parallels, yeah. you know, live performance. Okay, yeah. Live performance, um, live music, that environment. Mm. Um, but the sort of prestige and respect that I have for anyone in the world of theater really, really had me in a vulnerable position. I, mm. I was worried that I was unworthy or or would be seen as, you know, a fraud or... or mm. Even although I don't, I, I I know for a fact because it doesn't get them anything. It, you know, seen as stunt casting, mm. um, though it wasn't. It was it was just Tommy's and and Lynn's uh, belief that I could do it yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but all that meant was I just needed to put in the work and go back and train with a vocal coach, Liz Kaplan, who who was amazing and wonderful, and you know show that I was there to take it seriously and 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 honor it because. Yeah you immediately feel the responsibility to the audience mm. because these are people who have spent a lot of money. Major most, coins. Most out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Um, have waited for a long time, have waited yeah. on average seven or eight months. And they've like also that. heard it's the best show of all time. Correct. A lot of pressure, a lot of hype. Yeah. Um, and then they've been listening to the cast album at home or in their cars or on their, you know, iPhones. Um, so there, there's a very specific expectation. You got to hit your marks. You got to hit those notes. You got to hit the notes. You got to hit the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. to say the right words. <laughs> um, so, so I, I was probably more nervous than I've ever been wow. for anything to, to do Hamilton. And it took me two weeks to get over those nerves. Mm. And then it took me another four to kind of really be comfortable and kind of start to explore you know, freedom within a sort of very set, very um, because of the character, rigid character. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then, and then it was just the best, the best. Yeah. So you mentioned having a vocal coach. I'm kind of obsessed with vocal coaching and vocal coaches. Oh, cool. Yeah. There's a, there's an amazing profile in Jezebel of Drake's vocal coach. Strangely enough. Oh, cool. Um, it's a hard job and intense work. And I always imagine the first time you have your class with a vocal coach, they just make you cry. Like, how intense was that? Yeah. No, Liz was only love and okay. warmth, and okay. I think, and I think, an expert in taking people who are feeling uncomfortable or who are uh, unsure, and and giving them the confidence to yeah. get better. I'm only asking these because I'm personally curious. It probably won't even make the cut, but like, did, what is the did, like? Does Drake's vocal coach yell at him? No, she's a sweet little Southern belle. She's yeah. such a sweetheart. And she said in the thing, she's like, people don't know it, but Drake works. And I even hate to sure. because I don't like him that much. But she's like, the dude works. He eats well. He drinks his fluids. He goes to bed so that his voice yeah. can like do what it needs to do. And yeah. that surprised me about him. Drake, uh, he's fascinating to me. He is. He was one of the most enjoyable hosts in my time at really? SNL. And he hosted twice. Truly. Truly. Really? Why? Yes. Because... He it's because your is, wife is Canadian and he's Canadian. Exactly. So I have to. Yeah. Um, he he is absolutely the theater nerd mm. actor kid mm. that you first saw on Degrassi. Yeah. And yet authentically in this culture and as an artist, a, a, you know, a master of hip hop. So he and, and, and it was fascinating because he was kind and huh. and well mannered and polite to everybody. Mm. He was in on the joke. He, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. he was, he was bringing something to it. Yeah. Um, and and just full of charisma and fully relatable. And then <laughs> the second time he hosted, uh -huh. 
he wanted to host the after party. Wait, there's an after party? There's always there's a, an after yeah, party. Yeah, yeah. And there's the an after lobby. party and there's an after after oh, party. Hey, okay. So he wanted to host the after after party. Whoa. Where? Which, <laughs> you can't say Get it. ready. Wait. Get ready. Say it. Dave and Buster's. Actually, Loki, I'm I'm down for it's that, man. The best. Have you it, done Star Wars Pod, the pod game where you, it's amazing if you haven't. Yeah, okay, I got to um, do it. But Dave and Buster's. Go. Two so Dave up. and Buster's, but then this is what's great mm-hmm. is that apparently he frequents or could be a co-owner of a strip club out of Toronto Stop. and flew down much or most or all staff. of the staff. staff so, by, by staff, you mean the strippers. Oh, yeah. I guess that's part of it, too. <laughs> staff. That's I nice was thinking more the it. DJ, but <laughs> all the all the ladies there who work under, you know, the, the Drake Corporation. Um, LLC. And it's it was so funny to look around this Dave and Buster's <laughs> open at three in the morning and see... 40 nerdy comedian writer performers wandering around easily 50 to 60 strippers oh who are goodness. who are you know dancing and grinding and 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 what Drake's do you dance on music. at the Dave and Busters there's no poles what do you, you dance on there was good space by the four-way Pac-Man machine <laughs> <laughs> they pushed out the pinball machines to give room for the strippers Oh man. <laughs> and and we literally saw two strippers get in a fight and one pulled the, the other's weave out. weave out of her hair. That's the first move, dude. That's how you assert dominance. You and pull the we weave just out. wanted to play the Jurassic Park game. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted tickets at the big bass fish wheel. <laughs> Did Drake apologize? He's like, "Hey, yo, I'm sorry about this." Oh, I mean, I know he he was he was in 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 a different mode at that point. Oh, um, yeah. But always always thoughtful, always lovely, like a like a great host. But this was like, oh, this is when this is when Drake, you know, Becomes goes Drake. to work. <laughs> this is this is Drake Batman Drake. We had Drake Bruce Wayne Drake, and this is Drake Batman. All right, time for a quick break. Stick around, listeners. You don't want to miss some incredible stories about the week that Donald Trump hosted SNL. That's coming up. Also, Taryn tells me all about how and why he left the show a year before his contract was up. BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from WordPress.com. Creating your website on WordPress.com helps your customers find you, remember you, and connect with you. At WordPress.com, you'll find hundreds of beautiful designs, the ability to add a custom domain name, and features that make your business more visible online. WordPress offers 24-7 customer service if you need help. Get 15% off your new website today at WordPress.com slash minute. I'm Scott Detrow. There's so much political news to follow these days, but you don't have to keep up with all of it. You just have to keep up with us on the NPR Politics Podcast. With a team of NPR political reporters and editors, we record two episodes a week and sometimes more when the big news happens. Find the NPR Politics Podcast on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. So that Drake story, it seems like being on SNL, you'd have a lot of stories like this. Uh, Amazing is this real life moments. Yeah. But was that just like another Saturday? Yeah, yeah, that one was special. <laughs> yeah, that one was yeah. special because, like, he went above and beyond, and he didn't have to, you know, rent that place out for us. But he did. Um, you know, you very quickly get used to 
being comfortable around celebrity. Yeah. Uh, being comfortable around incredible fame. Yeah. Which can be the, hard. It is. It takes an adjustment. And and I think that the show does a good job of setting an example for that. Mm-hmm. How um, so? Well, in that in that you you can kind of witness the writers and the cast who come before you, and certainly the way that Lauren and the producers engage with the host, um, they sort of lay lay it out for you that you know these people are out of their element and they're guests in our house, yeah, and treat them as such, and, th- and that makes it very simple, right? It, it it's it always comes back to just just being humans, yeah, we're all just people, um. But but then, you know, you're dealing with different sensitivities, different insecurities. Like, mm. that's probably the most frustrating or difficult to deal with is when you can tell a host is really insecure huh. or nervous or worried huh. and then and then lashes out in sort of a negative way. Like, yeah. oh, this is stupid. It's not funny. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I, you know yeah. yeah. I bet that experience probably prepared you to direct. Very much so. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially because... You know, we had a very tight schedule mm-hmm. on Gunther. It was we ended up with twenty one days, I think. Really, that's a lot um, for twenty one days. It was a lot to do in twenty one days. Y'all were in several locations, though. No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 soaked all of BC Canada. <laughs> we we wrung the juice out of all of BC Canada that we could. <laughs> um, but on SNL, you're writing something on Tuesday, you're rewriting it on Thursday, and you're shooting it on Friday to air on Saturday. Wow. So 21 days felt like a luxury. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Everyone thinks it's all live. A lot of it's pre-taped for SNL. That's true. And that's, that's fine. True. That's fine. Just <laughs> more and more, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Were you there when Trump hosted? I certainly was. I'm going to give yeah. you seven minutes to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. It was It was rough. It was not really? enjoyable at the time. Really? And something that only grows more embarrassing and shameful, I think, as time goes on. You say it's shameful. Why? Yeah. Because I don't necessarily put so much weight into, you know, Trump hosting SNL, helping him become president. But there's definitely something where it normalizes him and it makes him makes it okay for him to be part of the conversation. Mm. And... And I don't think, I don't think that the intention of having him on was ever politically based. I I, I sincerely believe that, mm. um, but I don't think it was considered the implications that it had then mm-hmm. and could have moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think looking back, uh, it's something that that there's no part of me that appreciates or or you know even learns from or, or you know there's nothing oh. good i can take from that week because he's not he's not an enjoyable person to be around there he wasn't during that week no he's you know what i mean he's just he's from a different he's from a different class he's from a different way of life he's you know he's just he's just but it's not there's just money what i hear you saying because there are other no. rich folks on snl what was it about 100 percent. what was it about him um, completely out of touch. I, I think if I had to presume, because it's not like there weren't many in-depth conversations, just because there's no, there was never any common ground, right? Really? There was never, there was never any, you know what I mean? You couldn't be like, how was your day? And he'd be like, it was fine, you know, went for a walk. It was always like, my book is number one. It's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, everybody's talking about this rally. We, you know, and, and you're just- The good impression. Very kind. Yeah. 
Um, it, it, so it, it's just, I just am so angry. Did any <laughs> of the so, so strangely at, enough at him now at him now you know what I mean at, at, at just at just every move every response every tweet every stance. Strangely enough, I was covering the election for NPR the week that he hosted, and they sent me out there to cover all the protesters. Yes. So I camped out outside of 30 Rock for a good two days and talked to folks that were basically there either to wait for extra tickets or say how much (laughs) they hate this man. Yes. And what I kept thinking the whole time was that there were people of color and Latinos and low-income people who were just like, you don't understand how much pain this man has caused. And mm-hmm. I don't, I can't speak to their experience, but I heard them and it felt like some folks at 30 Rock just did not listen to that. I, I agree. I fully agree. I, we could hear the protests during our table read. Are you so serious? As we're reading, you know, 40 mediocre sketches trying to make, you know, this funny, we just hear, you know... You know, no, it's tough. And, and, and look, say he hosts, say it plays out that I think I'll speak just for myself. Yeah. 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 Thought it would, which is he doesn't even get past the first primary. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be laughed Mm -hmm. off. Everybody's going to realize that this isn't a real thing and it doesn't have the same weight or gravity. Right. It, 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 it definitely, I'm, I am embarrassed upon mm. reflection just because of how everyone was right. Did every it, every person outside of that building protesting was absolutely right. Did did anyone in the cast and the crew and the staff go to Lauren and say, "Dude, shut it down." I don't I don't know. Did you? I don't know. I did not. No. They Why I did not? not. I didn't have that kind of relationship, right? I didn't It seems have... like no one has that type of relation with Lauren. Yeah, I think he's got he's got his inner circle and he and he manages that fairly tightly. Yeah. Um I had I had gone to him about other things, significantly less important things and rarely felt heard or considered. Really? Um yeah. Yeah, that's that's not the dynamic that's necessarily encouraged. Okay. okay. Um yeah, so so uh, you know, I guess I guess the sort of lame excuse is you know we're it was our job and we're hired to put on a show with whoever the show determines you know is our is our host that week. But yeah, yeah. it was not a good time. Did you have any one-on-one personal interaction with Trump during that week? Um, yeah, yeah, but it's all like all just like I'm sure it's a blur now. I remember specifics. I remember him being like, you know, he 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 wants to. He's constantly manipulating. He's managing. So you know, the the table really? read, and then every rehearsal is like, if the line is written, "Hi, I'm Donald Trump, and welcome to the show." It'd be like, you know, "I'm Donald Trump, welcome." You know, I think I sh- I think I should say it. Hey guys, I'm Donald. This is the show. Welcome to it. You know what I mean? Just more natural. You know, it's like all right. So so like I mean, what a lateral move. But what was he doing with that? Taking ownership. It's hit now his idea, right? Oh. And now he gets the credit. Now he's like, I made it so much better. Huh. Um, and it was, you know, like stepping to the side or stepping backwards. Uh, one, like the most heartbreaking moment at the time, uh, we're at the host dinner. Uh-huh. And he brings Melania and he brings uh, Ivanka and Jared. We're all at, at the host dinner. Mm-hmm. 
And he says, you know, Lauren, if I don't win this thing, I'm going to be fine. We just bought this beautiful piece of property in Scotland. If I have to be president, I'm never going to see that thing. Wow. And that that was his priority at that moment. You know what I mean? That that was, that that was even a consideration, uh, you know, made, made me sad. I don't want to stay on this forever, but like, how does it feel to know that SNL did that and now yeah. is like the face of the resistance? And you got Alec Baldwin and Kate McKinnon winning Emmys yeah, for uh, their work that is pretty anti-Trump. Well, listen, I mean... Kate is a genius, of and course. Kate is one of the best Love people her. I know in the world. Carl, tell her to come on my show. Uh, okay, deal. I'll do it right <laughs> now. Um, Alec, I've only good things to say about, only good interactions, and, yeah. I, and I has been talented for a long time. Yeah. Um, there's certainly, it certainly feels like there's some hypocrisy there, you know? Really? With SNL? A little bit, and and I guess I guess you could say like, oh, they're they're writing wrongs, and I don't even think it's writing wrongs. I think the show tries to um and and in particular lauren's outlook is play to both sides play to the masses play to whatever the popular opinion is a little bit there you know whatever the mass Mm -hmm. consensus is Mm -hmm. um but boy boy they could definitely like mine some comedy out out of uh, owning up to it huh Mm. well since we're speaking candidly about saturday night live how much can you talk about your exit uh, as much as you want, you know, it, it it was not, it was not hostile, and it wasn't it wasn't super negative. It was just kind of messy. Whose really. idea was it for you to go? Well, the way it worked is, um, there's a there's like a a, a pickup date, right? There's like a, mm-hmm. a mid July pickup date for the contract extension. So every year you have to just like it happens every year. Oh, that sounds awful. Um, and and this was the first year that they called and said, "Hey, we need more time. We're trying to figure out what the cast is going to be." Whereas in previous years they call and say, "You're good to go." Hey, it's done. Yeah, no, don't even think about it. Mm. And I only had one year left on my contract. And How many years was the contract? Seven. So they give you a seven, but they can take it away at any year they correct want. correct that sounds like yeah. an awful contract for somebody yeah, that, that's showbiz that's 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 i mean wow. any okay. tv pilot okay. anything you yeah. do that's that's yeah. the norm um but so it, w- the position i was in is literally as i'm having this conversation i'm directing my first film uh yeah. i have two children and a wife who i yeah. moved out to new york for this job yeah um, we're looking to get back home. I, I was raised in Southern California, and and you know, there's schools to consider. There's just the yeah. significant move. There's there's many factors in my life to consider, and I just said via my representation, uh, no, yeah, I need to know now. I need oh. to know now um, because it's it's my seventh year, and and look, I, I you know, you're not reaching out to say. Hey, we want to talk about a renegotiation for anything. You know, it's yeah. just like we need more time to decide. And I'm like, if you don't know, and you've given them six years at that point. I've given them six pretty good years. Yeah. So I said, um, I need to know now, or 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 I'm okay to end it. Okay. And the way that it all went down is, my rep said, well, let's go back to them and let's get them to okay the post production on Gunther, which was something we would have to have cleared by the show. Just time off for the show. Exactly, okay. and 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 by the way, if I had to go back, it w- would have been an impossibility. I don't know how I would have done, done all the both. post on the oh. show. Yeah, um, and then had been offered uh, a Showtime pilot with people that I was excited to work oh, with. Nice, and they said, you know, the the pilot would not have interfered because it would have shot on an off week, and then if it gotten picked up, 
wouldn't have done anything till after my time gotcha. on SNL. Gotcha. Um, so, so they, you know, part of the business of it was let's go back when, and say, if they're okay with this, we'll give them the two weeks. And I said, okay, fine. And then cut to three weeks later and, uh, and they call and they say, yeah, they've decided not to pick up your contract. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, all right. Were you okay with that? I was, I was, I was all okay. Right. Certainly okay to be done. Yeah. Certainly okay to have my life back to be done with well, that crazy, it's a crazy slog, schedule. Right. Like it's consuming. Yeah. It's consuming and it, and it's, and it's long hours and it's erratic hours. Mm. And more than any of that, it's so emotionally draining mm. and challenging mm. from day one. And I don't know that it ever really gets any easier. I think the stress it causes you and the way you handle that as soon as you get there is kind of what's going to stay with you during, during your run. Um, but I, but I was, I was and do miss the people. Yeah. I do miss my friends, you know, who are still my friends and and will be for forever. But, um, I missed and, and, and was certainly sad to not, you know, shake the hands of all of our crew members and say, thank you. And, and, you know, say, keep in touch. And, and I do with, with people who, whose information I shared, but you put that much time in into any place and you'd, you'd like a proper goodbye. And that was the thing that, that made me the most sad. Well, and there's such this either public or not goodbye. Like either they all yes. lift you up on their shoulders at the right, end of the episode right. or you, they just don't. Yeah. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Did you want that? Of course. Mm. Certainly. And, mm. and I will say like, for better, for worse, got to kind of vicariously feel feel it through um, the two people that I was maybe the most close with uh, when Bobby and Vanessa got their proper send off. It it genuinely made me happy. Mm. Mm. It's like this fraternity. Like you're always kind of a member, no? Yeah. It's comedy college. Yeah. And you're, you're always an alumni and um, you know, people who I absolutely love and admire and respect you know, were were sent off even less ceremoniously, and and um, people who I was very close to on the show while I was there were you know let go or not held on to or not given the appropriate uh, chance that I think they deserved, and that's just part of the show. It's just it's organized chaos, and uh-huh. and there's there's going to be casualties. It's also a machine, like you know, when you I look at an institution like NPR you end up in these places where people become family but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day the institution is still a business and that can be so painful without a doubt without a doubt and and it's tricky because in entertainment you know particularly for snl it's it's all about vulnerability and expression and art and heart and and thoughts and you know feelings so yeah that but that's that's what we've signed up for you know yeah I took this real dark. We're going to lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> Back to Wild and Out. Yeah. You've earned listen, three more Wild and Out questions. Listen. Listen. Ayo, Nick. Ayo, Nick. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. All right. That was live. I'm going to give that to the red team. <laughs> I want you to give me an impersonation because you're really good at those. Who is your favorite okay. person to impersonate? I really like doing Brad Pitt. Do it. Um, you know, Sam, very happy to be on your show. Very happy. <laughs> Long time, first time. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Bah. Duh, that's a really good. Duh. <laughs> it's his twelve monkeys. It's it's in twelve monkeys. Yeah. He does a lot of. Blah. <laughs> oh my god! I, you know, I I would keep you forever. I try to keep these to an hour. <laughs> so you got this movie. You got all. What's next for you besides yeah. that? The world is um, your oyster. 
back in LA and happy to be on, you know, near the Pacific. Yeah. Um, right now I'm shooting a movie really? uh, with Kevin Hart in Atlanta Ooh. Um, called Night School. I've been seeing buzz about this. It sounds yeah. quite promising, sir. I think it's going to be pretty fun to be to be, you know, completely biased. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's such a great cast. It's Kevin. It's Marilyn Ricecub. It's um, Rob Riggle, Al Madrigal, uh, Yvonne Orji. Uh, oh, Molly from Insecure. Yes. Stop. Who's hilarious. You know, I love the that nicest show. lady and hilarious. Yeah. But it's fun. It's it's going to be a good one. So I'm doing that till November and. Uh, starting to write on the next thing that I'll direct. I tell you what, this has been so fun. Like I, I really agree. I really appreciate when someone who is obviously so gifted and talented is open to kind of just be so candid about their craft and their work and their life because you don't have to. You could oh, just thanks, say man. I'm gonna be a good guy at XYZ, but you talk about it too and I appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. So thanks thank for you. asking good questions. All right, man. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Aaron Killam. I meant what I said there. He was so gracious. So much fun. Also, thanks for the Nick Cannon Hualin' Out shout-out. Thank you, Taryn. His new movie is called Killing Gunther. It's out this weekend. As always, we'll be back in your feed on Friday. Make sure that you share the best thing that happened to you all week and send me the recording of your voice doing just that to samsanders at npr.org. And a reminder, depending on where you live, you can hear our podcast on the radio now, too. Make it a part of your weekend routine. Go to npr.org slash stations to find out if the show is on near you. That's a wrap. I'm Sam Sanders. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. If you're looking for a new way to support this show and public media, please consider signing up for the NPR Plus podcast bundle. NPR Plus listeners get to unlock sponsor-free listening and bonus episodes from NPR shows like this one. You can find out more at plus.npr.org.